here this morning. What a beautiful presence of the Lord that fills this house. Amen. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is certainly speaking to someone here today. Perhaps all of us. Perhaps one or two of us. But the Spirit of the Lord is speaking. Amen. Moses was there on the backside of the desert in Midian, minding his own business, going about doing whatever shepherds do. He noticed out of the corner of his eye, off at a little distance, there was a bramble bush that was on fire was nothing uncommon for that day. Out in the desert country, a bramble bush gets very dry and spontaneous combustion. It'll just burst into flames. So he went about his shepherding business again for a little while, but he happened to notice again, out of the corner of his eye, the bush was not being consumed. It was just burning. So as one might suspect, curiosity got the best of him. i got to go check this out. So Moses makes his way over to the burning bush. He's watching this thing with intensity. Nothing he'd ever seen before. He's seen a lot of bramble bushes catch on fire. Watched a lot of them burn up. But never had he seen a bramble bush be on fire for so long and still look like it did before it ever burst into flames. As he gets up closer and he gets down to where he can really observe, out of that bramble bush comes a voice. A voice that was unfamiliar to him such as the voice some of you are hearing this morning. It's unfamiliar. He said, Moses, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. Now the significance of that out in the desert on the sand, a lot of dirt around, probably sand up over the top of his shoes. But what makes it holy is the presence of Almighty God. What makes this place holy today is the presence of God that is in this house. Moses received his call that day his life changed forever. When that experience with the burning bush finally come to a conclusion, Moses knew he had been in the presence of a deity and an entity, entity the likes of which he had never known before.
He came away from the burning bush a new individual. Forsook all that he knew and all that he had to go back to Egypt and lead a bewildered, tired, weary, forgotten people out of bondage. Hallelujah. You're not here today by accident. It just didn't by chance you happen to keep, be here this morning. Because God is speaking to you today. Hallelujah. Amen. What you do with his voice is much the same that Moses had the opportunity to do with the voice he heard. You can take off your shoes and get up a little bit closer and listen carefully. Or you can back away. Moses chose to step up closer. Slipped off those shoes. And he walked right up to the burning bush. Put these back on. I'll stub my toes if I don't. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I want to welcome each of you this morning in the presence of the Lord. I want to welcome Jeffrey back from his mission trip. I want to thank High Point Church and their support. We received enough money to pay for Jeffrey's mission trip in its entirety. We appreciate it. We appreciate it very much. And as Sister Goldsberry said, we're glad to have Megan back after Christmas break. For all of you that's been out, we welcome you. For our first-time guests, we're so glad that you come to worship with us this morning. We're thrilled and honored to have you with us. Would you stand with me right now? I'm moving slowly, very deliberately. As I'm not quite sure yet where the Lord wants to go. Mm. In this chaotic world we live in, the uncertainty of the future, with all that is transpiring around us today, the political environment, social environment, the religious environment, I want you to know one thing. There's still power in the blood. The effectiveness and the power of the efficacious blood of Jesus Christ did not end the day after Calvary. No, 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 no. 
it's still as effective today as it was when it brought Jesus from the tomb. The blood of Jesus Christ is a line drawn in the sand that the adversary will not cross. Hallelujah. There's still power in the blood. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. The word of the Lord says, But Christ came as high priest of good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and of calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. That ought to make some of you want to get out and do the two-step in the middle aisle. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, Spirit offered himself without spot to God. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Let us pray. Whew, precious Savior, what an awesome presence of your Spirit that fills this house. I know you're working a work in here right now. We may not be able to see the evidence and the results of what you're doing in here at this very moment, but I know I feel the very Shekinah glory and presence and power of your Holy Spirit working in the hearts and minds of men and women this morning. And I pray that you'll anoint this word and this vessel and this instrument as we stand before you as a vessel for honor and glory for your purpose in the preaching of your word today. Help me to become transparent before you and this congregation and those who will hear this via the other forms of media that we uh, we sponsor here that they will hear your voice speak to them through this word we ask in Jesus name and everyone said amen. amen look at your neighbor and tell them there's still power in the blood and you may be seated the songwriter said the blood that Jesus shed for me way back at Calvary. It's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. 
because it reaches to the highest mountain. It makes no difference where you're at, where you've been, where you've come from, your background or any such a thing, because it reaches only where the blood of Jesus Christ can reach, and that's the highest mountains, and it flows to the lowest valleys, and it's the blood that gives me strength from day to day, and it will never, I said it will never, lose its power. Amen. As I give close consideration to the preaching and teaching that we are witnessing with the various forms of media that are available today, my level of concern just keeps right on rising. Because within the framework of our modern day religious culture, we're hearing considerable preaching and discussion on the subject of prosperity and these types of issues and subjects, the prosperity doctrine, if you will. However, conspicuous by its absence, very little, if any, is being mentioned or discussed from modern day pulpits about the blood of Jesus Christ and its power and its effectiveness for our lives today. Amen? With the exception of the possibility around Easter time, it seems that most of our religious culture gets a little bit nostalgic and they want to reach back to Calvary a little bit and talk about the blood of Jesus Christ. But I'm talking for the most part, it is very conspicuous by its absence. The message of the power and deliverance of the blood of Jesus Christ is a message for all seasons. Amen. Amen. Yet as we learn from the apostle in the book of Hebrews, he said in Hebrews 9 and 22, without shedding of blood, there is no remission. You see, our sins are forgiven and we are made whiter than snow because Jesus Christ was willing to shed his blood on the cross of Calvary and give his all that we might be made clean. Amen. You see, as a result of Adam's sin and his transgression and his fall in the garden, it became necessary for our great God and Savior to cover man's sin, sins with the blood of a sacrificial lamb. Amen. Before someone gets the idea that they, they, you know, I preach it, I don't know what you're talking about, I haven't fallen as Adam did, thinking that this idea of being in sin surely can't pertain to me. Let me remind you of what the Apostle said, or what the Bible says about humanity in general. We find in Romans 3 and 22, Paul said, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Amen? There's another place in the Bible that said, There is none righteous, no, not one. Amen. You see, my friends, you and I were born into sin. Now, you may never have behaved in such a way as to reflect sin in your life, but the, but the fact of the matter is, by virtue of simply being born into the human race, we are sinners saved by grace. Amen. Amen. We are sinners saved by grace. You see, from the time of Adam's fall, throughout all of biblical history, until Jesus Christ and the completion of his work at Calvary, the blood sacrifices only served to roll the sins of humanity forward until the next year at Passover time when the high priest would enter the most holy place one more time and there once again offer the blood sacrifice for his sins and then for the sins of the people. 
The next year he would have to go through the same ritual again. Year after year after year after year, only to just keep rolling them up, keep piling them out their head until the time of Jesus Christ. Amen? There's still power in the blood. The songwriter Robert Lowry asked this question in one of the most well-known of hymns that says, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The Course says, Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm here to tell you, His blood still washes away sin. I'm here to tell you, His blood still makes us whole, spiritually and physically. You see, as we scan through our Bibles, we run across beloved and powerful passages such as when Almighty God declared to the Hebrews while in their final days of slavery in Egypt, He said to them in Exodus 12 and 13, And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Such passages as this one gives us a more developed understanding, if you will, of the importance of the blood sacrifices. You see, sacrifice is seen as the means of deliverance for the individual, for the family, and for the nation, if you will. The blood of sacrificial animals was used regularly as an offering for sin as well as to consecrate the instruments of worship. Now, I'm not going to go into an exhaustive discussion this morning and preaching about all of the aspects and facets of the blood sacrifice. But I want to give you just enough to lay the foundation so that when we step across the portal into the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ and what it means for you and I, you'll have a firm footing. You see, it is in the Mosaic Covenant and the Levitical priesthood that we see the most detailed administration of the blood sacrifices. Here's what is significant about what I have just shared with you. This developed significance of the role of the blood points toward the blood of Jesus Christ and its application for our redemption. Amen. For our justification and for our sanctification. Amen. You see, there is none of us that are righteous, no, not one, but the application of the blood of Jesus Christ does make us righteous. Amen. It's not our righteousness because our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags, but it's His righteousness covered by His blood that gives us the ability and gives us the right and gives us the privilege to be in the presence of God as we are here today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In setting up the Levitical order, God speaks through His Word telling Israel in Leviticus 17 and 11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. 
You say amen. You see, in my opinion, this is the clearest statement of the necessity of the blood as it relates to sacrificial offerings. The life is in the blood. Amen. When Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary, he gave everything there was to give. Beyond his body, beyond the physical agony, beyond anything there was, he let the one thing that would give him life flow from his body, down his body, on that old rugged tree, so that you and I could know what it means to be set free from sin and live. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? Amen. You see, life and blood were given upon the altar for, a specific, for the specific purpose of making atonement or attaining reconciliation with God. Amen? Apart from the shedding of blood or giving of life, there was no atonement. And this established ordinance is reaffirmed in the new covenant that we see written about here in Hebrews 9 and 22. The new covenant in Christ's blood fulfilled the requirements of the old covenant for redemption. Amen. It fulfilled the requirements. The blood of Jesus Christ is seen as surpassing the blood of sacrifices of the old covenant and eternally satisfying the requirements of a holy God. One thing that the blood sacrifices could not do of the Levitical priesthood and they could not give life. But the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, it does just the opposite. It gives life. Amen. Hallelujah. By one man sin entered the world, and by one man came deliverance and freedom and being set free from sin for all humanity. Whoo! Hallelujah. When Jesus and his disciples were together there at their final Passover meal, I use this a lot. We generally have communion here three or four times a year. And I use this passage a lot, but it merits repetition. Jesus, after taking the cup and giving thanks, he tells his disciples, he says, drink all of it. And he made this statement to them. For this is my blood, or this the fruit of the vine, the wine that was in that cup, he said, represents my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many. For what? For the remission of sins. Amen. It's important to note Jesus used the occasion of the Passover meal to inaugurate the new covenant. There's a lot of discussion going on these days about inauguration. I'm not going to get into all that business now. I don't, I'm not going to go political on you here. At least I don't think I am. But there's a lot of this. But, but Jesus used this occasion to inaugurate the new covenant. You see, the symbolism of the Passover meal under the old covenant was about to, about to be fully satisfied through Christ's crucifixion. Amen. Amen. In this historic moment, Jesus transformed the meaning of the elements of the Passover meal into the new covenant concept, the new covenant thought, if you will. Amen. The bread now represented his body, which would be given of the cup, his blood, which would be shed for the forgiveness of sins. The holy requirements of God and the old covenant were about to be forever satisfied. Oh, that ought to make you want to shout a little bit. 
You see, a new living way into the presence and provision of God was being prepared through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. Amen. Remember Paul said in one place, we were lost and without hope and without God. We were strangers from the covenants of promise. Amen. Who? We were strangers from the covenants of promise. But now through the efficacious blood of Jesus Christ, who? We are no more strangers and foreigners. But he said, you have become fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Amen. You see, a new and eternal bond was being established by the blood of Jesus Christ, who was sovereignly inaugurating the new and ultimate covenant, if you will. Whew, hallelujah. Somebody say amen. The songwriter continued, For my pardon, this I see, Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You see, then we shouldn't be surprised then to learn if you were to study the great hymnist of history. And thanks to a gift I received recently, I've been able to go through and do a little background research on many of the hymns that are in our hymnals and things and find all ever so interesting. And if you were to do a little study, a little research, you'd find that their souls, those hymnists and those were thrilled at their songs filled and with, with, with this theme of the blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, in 1739, an individual by the name of Count Zinzendorf wrote, Jesus, thy blood and righteousness. And then same year, Charles Wesley penned these words of this title, this song, His blood can make the foulest clean, His blood availed for me. You see, I don't care what your background is, and neither does Jesus Christ, because His blood is able to make you free. He's able to, he's able to cover you. He's able to deliver you. And your background will never be known or seen again. If your background's haunting you, it's because you keep digging it up. It's not because he does. He put it under the blood, and that's where it's going to stay. Hallelujah. A guy by the fellow by the name of William Cowper wrote, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Amen. You see, you can't see all of that sin and business under the pages that are covered in blood. Amen. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Rome, declared in Ephesians 1 and 7, In Him, talking about Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. 
Amen? You see, you and I can be free from our burden of sin because there's still power in the blood. Amen? We can win over evil because there's still power in the blood. We can be free from passion and pride because there's still power in the blood. Amen? We can come regularly for a cleansing at Calvary's tide because there's still power in the blood. Woo, amen. And my friends, here's one of the most powerful aspects of this entire idea and concept is our sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow because there's still power in the blood. Amen. On occasion, from time to time, the adversary or my mind, whatever the case might be, will attempt to remind me of some of my shortcomings and my failures and my inadequacies over the years gone by. And I quickly remind him, don't be bringing that nonsense up. I put that under the blood. Amen? You and I, my friends, can do service for Jesus our King, not because we're so great, but because there's still power in the blood. Amen? We can live daily His praises to sing because there's power in the blood. We can be delivered and healed today because there's still power in the blood. Whatever your condition may be today, I have no idea. You may be on the brink of giving up and throwing in the towel. I don't know, but I'm here to tell you there's power in the blood and it will set you free. No wonder the Apostle John penned these words in his general epistle in 1 John 1 and 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. Stay with me. I'm almost done. I think. In the book of Revelation, the Apostle John declared, Revelations 1, 4 through 6, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. That's Jesus, by the way. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the... What? Did I read that right? Ruler over the kings of the earth. Oh. Okay. That just kind of backs up what I've been telling you. There's not a leader in the world today that he don't have his thumb on. They better do what he's called them to do. But what their purpose is, you'll squish them like a bug. Hey, I know that wasn't a politically correct way to say that, but I said it anyway. To him who loved us and washed, washed us, not washed, there's no R in washed, washed, washed. He washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, the only thing that makes it possible for you and I to stand in the presence of a holy God as we are here this morning is the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? 
And I will prove that in just a minute. Hang on. I said it's the blood of Jesus Christ that gives you the give you and I the right and the privilege to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Amen? Because the apostle wrote, he stated this, he stated it this way in Hebrews 10 and 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, there was that time when only the high priest through the appropriate process of cleansing and through all of the instruments of the tabernacle and then the temple could prepare himself and make himself ready to dare slip behind the veil into the Holy of Holies. When he did, they had a rope tied onto his ankle so that he went in there and all the time the high priest was in behind the veil. You'd hear that bell ringing. If the other order of priests ever heard that bell stop ringing, while the high priest was in there, they knew that he went in improperly, and they drug him out a dead man. Whew. Oh, yeah. Read it. It's in the Bible. Read it. He knew the preparation. He knew what it took. First, he had to offer the sacrifice of sins for himself. And then for the sins of the people, he had better done it according to their ceremonial order or he was in big trouble. And once a year, only he could go into that most sacred and holy place where the Ark of the Covenant abided, where the Shekinah glory of God abided above the mercy seat and above the cherubs and only He and He alone could go in there. But thanks be to God and through the efficacious blood of Jesus Christ, you and I can march right in there today without hesitation and without fear. I know someone's probably thinking right now, well, Pastor, why preach such a topic when the majority of those in the congregation today are professing born-again believers? I mean, you know, are you lost your mind or what? The fact of the matter is being covered and under the power of the blood is an ongoing process. Just because you were once saved doesn't mean that's the end. And whoo, I've got it all now and here we go. Oh, it's an ongoing process. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's why John said, My little children are writing that you sin not. But if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And if you will confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, John said. Amen? How many know that's true? So I close with this series of questions. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? How many of you like to prosper? Like the idea of prosperity? I do, to be honest with you. That's why I work hard 15, 60 hours a week. Besides pastoring the church. 
I like the idea of prosperity. Well, at least paying the bills. John, 3 John, verse 2. There's a verse there that I don't want you to misunderstand my thought here. Jesus does want you to prosper. The Word of the Lord talks about prosperity. But don't miss the concept of prosperity. It does not always pertain to finance. Go like this. I know it's not what you want to hear. But John writes, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. But that wasn't the end of that verse. There's a qualifier. The last phrase. Just as your soul prospers. Oh. Well, what are you going to put that on there for? Yeah, he said, I, I pray that you'll prosper, that you may prosper in all things and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. I dare say we will prosper in every arena of our life just as we prosper in our soul and in our spirituality. Take that for what it's worth. It didn't cost you a dime. 